Welcome to Ready for Change, the podcast dedicated to preparing and equipping you with the tools needed for changes within your industry. I'm your host, Mike Jarmus, and on this podcast, we'll be featuring special guests who are experts in business, retail, and finance. They will share their stories, wisdoms, and insights on changes occurring within their own industries. We'll cover other topics like market trends, technology, news, and innovation in various industries. Thanks for tuning in this week. Now let's get started. Cash truly is one of the most underrated and effective forms of payment in the world. It's universal, reliable, and makes you more conscious of how you spend. But even though there are plenty of benefits of using cash, there has been a lot of issues surrounding efficiency of the handling and processing of it. And in one of our previous episodes, we touched upon the idea of an efficient community cash cycle, a cycle that would be cost-effective globally and beneficial for retailers and consumers. But even though the community cash cycle, also known as Cash 4.0, appears to be a breakthrough concept for the global economy, we were still left wondering, will it be disruptive? And from there, we began to consider if it would be like many of the other major disruptors that match supply and demand. You know the companies like Uber, eBay, Spotify, or even Netflix. As cliche as it sounds for Cash 4.0 to resemble these companies, each of them have proven they serve many of the existing demands of consumers. Take Airbnb, for example. They match people who need a bed to those who have one available. It's a simple concept. But moving back to cash, you might be thinking, is it as simple as matching people who need money with retailers or individuals who have it? Yes, you are correct. And before you pull out a pen and paper to jot down this brilliant idea, I want to let you know it's already happening. And for our podcast, this is a monumental day. When our team first created the Ready for Change podcast, We envisioned a channel that would provide useful content and help our listeners embrace disruptive ways of thinking. And on this episode, you'll have the opportunity to hear from a disruptor that intends to transform the traditional ATM network. On today's episode, you'll be listening to an interview I held with SoCash CEO, Hari Shavan. For those of you who don't know, SoCash is a mobile app that matches its users to accessible cash. It transforms any grocery store, shop, cafe, or individual into a virtual ATM. And the best part is, this app is helping plenty of Singapore retailers handle excess cash more effectively. So before we start, I want to take the time to introduce our guest. Before founding SoCash, Hari Savan was working over 15 years with the most notable financial institutions across Asia. With his expertise in finance, he created a fiscally inclusive solution for small businesses in Singapore and helped build Singapore's largest cash distribution network with SoCash. So I'm going to start out our conversation today with just a quick question for you. Can you explain what the SoCash app is for our listeners? Sure. SoCash app converts any shop or even individuals who have cash with them into a virtual ATM. Now, everyone will be asking, like, why do this? What is the goal? The goal really is to make cash circulation efficient. You know that cash is probably the only free payment system, but there is a lot of debate about the cost of cash, the cost of cash logistics. You know, why is cash expensive? Fundamentally, it all boils down to an inefficient supply chain that 
circulates cash between ATMs on one side, and then you know people withdraw it from there, and then they go and they spend for their consumption, you know, on the retail side. And this cycle goes on and on and on in every market in every country, but not many people know that this entire process is managed by a very long, a very old supply chain. So what SoCash does really is shorten the supply chain, matches the demand of cash of the consumers to the demand of cash deposit of the retail businesses. And all this is done without a supply chain or cash logistics or trucks moving around. Can you share in greater detail about how the app works? It's a software-based system. It's a platform that enables smallest of the retailers or the largest of the retailers circulate the cash just using their point-of-sale system or you know simply a smartphone. So think of SoCash as a platform that converts every shop that accepts cash into a virtual ATM. So for example, let's say I need cash now and I need, let's say, $100. My normal routine that we all have been trained for would be to go and, you know, drive out and, you know, find an ATM and then put the card in and get the money out. But we forget that cash is all around us. So my colleague, my neighbor, my friend should be having, you know, some amount of cash on him or her. So the SoCash application actually finds cash around you and finds people who are willing to do an exchange for a fee or for some kind of an incentive. And then the platform actually debits your account and then transmits the same amount into the person who gave you the cash. So for example, if let's say a pizza shop is nearer to you than your nearest ATM, then the pizza shop becomes your ATM. So you you fire up the app and say, hey, I need $100. And if the pizza shop has you know some money that they need to bank in, then this exchange is enabled using the application. There is no card, there is no PIN. It's a pure smartphone-based system. And the user experience does not involve any sharing of personal data. Very interesting. So I see how this benefits the consumer, for example, that is actually using this app. But how does this benefit merchants, banks, or the economy as a whole in Singapore? So very good question. Any platform or any marketplace requires a business model. And what we have created is a system where there are three parties in the marketplace. So you've got banks, you have got consumers who need cash, and then you've got businesses who need to get rid of cash. So think of it as a triangle. The benefit for consumers are obviously proximity, convenience, safety. In many places, ATMs are hard to find. If you can find it, they're probably not very safe. And, you know, in in many, many places, actually quite expensive because there's a fee and all all sorts of stuff. So we provide a very convenient and a free alternative right at your doorstep. For the retailer, besides attracting new footfalls or getting rid of cash, he actually gets paid for the service. So giving out cash or giving out, you know, the ATM equivalent of service, banks are willing to pay for it. Because suddenly we are converting into a variable cost model. So if you think about the current model, banks typically have to run the operations of the ATMs, the cash supply chain, cash processing, and you know it's pretty capital intensive. What we have proven in Singapore is that we can ensure that there is access to cash, 
at a significantly cheaper cost, let's say 25 to 40% cheaper than a conventional ATM network. Not only that, we convert the whole business into a variable cost. So the banks only pay per transaction. So the marketplace has something good for all the three parties. So you covered what the goal of the app was, but was the solution or the app meant to replace the ATM or did you have something bigger in mind? As I said, our view of what SoCash is has also evolved, or and I would say it is progressing to a wider picture. We are seeing a few trends in Asia, and we are seeing the same things in different markets, but at different rates. So the number one really is the banking, retail banking or the small-medium industry, the SME banking is seeing a, a big shift. One, it is rapidly digitizing. And when that happens, business models change. And when business models change, you need a new distribution. So ATMs, branches, relationship managers are the old distribution. What we are seeing is more and more banking services, banking product sales actually happen. So the banking engagement itself is changing. The second big trend is regulations are forcing the banks to be, or banking products to be commoditized. To commoditize products, there is nothing much to differentiate. And when you have standardization, then technology can take over and take care of the distribution. So in Singapore, we have 1,500 plus shops which are already willing to sell a banking product. You know, it could be a personal loan, it could be a credit card. And as a platform, we enable that process and suddenly a bank which may have like 100 branches, 200 branches, suddenly gets a distribution of 1,500 plus locations. So we are evolving. Cash is the starting point. But the goal really is to become a distribution for banks or banking services in the future. Now I'm ready to hear a little bit more about you. From what I understand, you built a very successful and stable career in the financial industry, working for some of the most notable financial institutions in Asia. And because you had such an extensive career in the FI industry, why did you take the leap of faith to create a fintech startup? It is true that you know I have had the privilege of working in exciting roles in, in different banks. So DBS, I actually learned a lot of things on payments in DBS before that I was in Citi and before that I was in HSBC. So each of these institutions you know, have given me a lot of training, a lot of insights, and a lot of opportunities to grow and to develop myself. But the simple answer to why create, why did we work on SoCash and why did we convert into a business? The simple answer is we saw a huge opportunity because cash is the biggest payment system. No matter what anyone says, everything else is probably a fraction in terms of usage, adoption, or even like typically, let's say 8 billion people, right? Humans on earth. I would say everyone uses some form of cash or coin, you know, at some point in life. So let's say 95%. There is no other product that covers this. And we saw an opportunity to drive efficiency because as economy grows, as the usage grows, the supply chain wasn't scaling. The unit cost was not improving. And as product managers, this looked like a good enough challenge or a big enough challenge to keep us motivated and tickle our brains, right? So... In 2016, 2017, we had all the enablers in place for SoCash. And we saw a business opportunity where banks want to get rid of ATMs. Banks want to at least shift the cost away. So whether it is Singapore, a small market, 
or a large market like Indonesia or India, if you talk to banks, for them, ATM is something which they're more than happy to get rid of, but they just don't have a solution. And just to provide some quick facts for our audience who may not know, in the Asian Pacific region alone, there are over 3,000 fintech startups. It's an extremely competitive market, and globally, there are more than 12,000 fintechs. But I think SoCash has experienced great success already within a short period of time in an extremely competitive market. And so looking back, what were some of the challenges you faced building your startup, and did you ever consider giving up? You know, if you think from starting your own business, typically you are in the first couple of years, you're too busy to notice any of the stuff. So you're, you're kind of moving from one problem to the other. You're kind of meeting people, you're meeting investors, you're trying to build a team. There are like 200 different things going on. Not all consciously, a lot of these unconsciously. So frankly, I never came across these numbers before you told me. Personally, building SoCash has been tough. You know, most of the time it has been like a roller coaster, right? But, you know, many a times it is like, you know, you're put into a washing machine and you kind of struggle how to get out. But I, I do think that every business goes through the different phases, ups and downs and, you know, more downs and, you know, probably less ups. We have been busy building the team, the product, the talent to bring all this together. So that has been pretty much the biggest challenge. So in an organization, let's say in a corporate organization, you have a foundation and then you kind of branch out from there and, you know, you probably create a new line of business, a new product or a new marketing campaign. You're not starting from zero to one. You're probably moving from, let's say, 0.7 to one. So the challenge that we had looking back is that you're doing all different things at the same time. And the expectation is that you somehow make all these things work together. Because at a certain point in time, you kind of run out of your own money. So you have to take let's say your friends and family's money, that adds a pressure, then you take investors' money, then suddenly something happens, it's all good and rosy, and then things don't work out. So I would say it has been tough. It has not been a cakewalk for us, especially in a market. We are working in banking industry, regulations. The average age of decision makers is well over 55. <laughs> that itself presents a big challenge. Mm-hmm. So there are always opportunities and challenges and you kind of make a list of what needs to be a priority, what needs to be deprioritized. I feel like I've been on a train which runs at different speeds at different times and sometimes it is switch tracks. Every day has its moment of reflection, I would say. Did we consider giving up? To be honest, yeah, we did. But then, you know, you kind of say, okay, we have come this far. We were lucky to have support from regulators. Like we don't compete with banks. So essentially we work with banks. So getting them on board was not a business challenge. It was more of, you know, how do you complete the procurement process? So it was more of a procedural challenge. Once we figured out that there is a business, there's a business model, then you you just have to keep executing and you need to get the right people in. And we continue to do that, right? So even now we are a small team. In total, we have 47 people spread across four countries. So we're not that big an organization. So we're still looking for talented people and, you know, very hard to find. The struggles continue, the joys continue, and life goes on. I can completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, it's that perseverance of those challenging days that create room for more victorious ones. And speaking of persevering, Hari, were there ever any companies or leaders you looked to as a source of inspiration? 
sources of inspiration i have a lot like i read a lot so i, I kind of look up to a lot of people but from a model perspective or a template perspective i have always been inspired by paypal one of the reasons could be my ex boss in dbs he used to be among the paypal pioneers you know so he used to work with peter thiel elon musk so we grew up with a lot of stories on how paypal was during its early days how it transformed how did they go from one opportunity to other you know what was reed hoffman doing so we kind of grew up with these stories and we learned so i often look towards paypal on how they competed on different fronts how they created a business model which was quite unique i often tell my team that what we are building in socash is kind of similar to an financial so that's another model that we look up to an financial in china so it connects consumers you know via their online platforms it connects their online marketplace sellers and then it brings in financial services insurance and all that stuff into that mix so what we're doing is also very similar we are connecting consumers to brick and mortar shop and then we are bringing in banks to say hey what can you do for consumers what do you want from retailers so we kind of generating the flows so these are two companies that i look up to probably because i come from payments industry so these are quite interesting business models in your opinion what's one of the most notable achievements socash has received so far or accomplished i would say our apple store rating has been consistently 4.3 4.4 and that's really the recognition uh, or that's really the certificate that we value because we are doing something right for the consumers our business model our approach to cash circulation and the stuff that we are doing in singapore has also been featured in some of the research articles let's say in japan in thailand where our template has been recommended as something which the industry should look at now these are quite serious publications they look at data they look at you know it's kind of the let's say the scientific journal equivalent of our industry so these kind of things actually bring joy to us customer testimonials retailer testimonials in fact i keep getting one or two emails every week about how socash solved a problem when you know they either forgot their wallet or let's say they went on a date and the card was not working and then socash came to help so we get these kind of feedback from our users so these also help from an industrial side you know we work with practically all segments of retail so we work with supermarkets we work with convenience store we work with 7-elevens we work with small mom and pop shops and all of them have their own stories when we started socash we got a lot of questions of how much of cash can we displace or how much of cash can be moved from shop to the bank and now i am getting queries or responses that by 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the evening many of our supermarkets don't have disposable cash so whatever they were supposed to give it to the cash logistics company is actually taken away by consumers throughout the day in fact there have been small retailers who tell us that hey they got a little bit of a liquidity crunch so what are we doing so now we are kind of solving that problem to say hey network has got cash but specific pockets of network don't have cash so how do we manage that so these kind of things are results that say that we are moving in the right direction this is quite satisfying so since its initial launch until now do you believe that socash has made the current cash cycle more efficient and do you think that cash 4.0 is now closer to us absolutely i mean technically yes 
our network is growing in multiples. Earlier, when we started off to convince retailers to join was pretty tough. And now they're coming to us and say, typically, the flow is reversed. And, you know, we have a backlog of network or retailers to be onboarded. Cash displacement is definitely accelerated. While a huge amount of cash still gets processed in the traditional supply chain, we have shown that with focus and with the right set of tools, the cash velocity can be increased significantly. You mentioned about cash 4.0. It is definitely coming. There is a need for optimization. There is a need for disruption because for a lot of years, the same old system has kind of been propagated. And there is a place for the current supply chain, but I don't think it scales beyond a certain point. So I totally agree that cash circulation within the community, hyper-local, the intersection of cash and digital payments, all these kind of come together to build that 4.0. Hari, I can only imagine putting these tips into practice took a great deal of time and patience. And you're an extremely busy man. Because of your schedule, I'm not sure how you can find the time to do it all. So before we wrap it up, can you please share with our listeners how you balance your personal and professional life? I'll try. I'm not very sure if I'm qualified. I'm not there yet. This should be asked to someone, you know, who has been there, done that, you know, (laughs) not me. I can only pass on what I was told. And I think it's my duty as well. Broadly, three, four tips that I've received, and these have stuck with me. So you should start a business and you should do it. If you really see an opportunity that is exciting, that will keep you motivated and, you know, that keeps your brain engaged. You should be confident that you have the skills to do what you need to do. So there is opportunity and then you have to match it with your skills, at least in some part. So whether you're the salesman, whether you're the engineer, whether you're, you need to figure out what can you contribute to solving that problem or getting that opportunity. The third is a little bit more tricky. So let's say you are convinced, but then nobody else believes in you. That's probably a good sign because that means that you're not likely to have competition early on. So if you have an opportunity, if you have the skill set or you can club together the skill set and then you feel that there are naysayers and you still believe that there is an opportunity, then you should do it. The second most important thing to remember is building a business is very tough. And not many people talk about it, but failure is probably the most probable outcome. It is okay in many parts of the world, like in Asia, failure in many parts of Asia. I wouldn't say every part, but in many, many countries and many societies, failure is not seen positively. It is changing, but you should be prepared for it. And the last but not the least, you need to make sure that your loved ones, your family is on board because the journey can be very lonely. It is tough. It is tough in the early days, but you kind of stabilize into your routine. So unless it is absolutely essential, I make sure that the weekends are with family. I try to get home before my son sleeps and you know spend some time, probably have dinner together. So we kind of have figured it out. There are certain compromises that you have to do. Like, for example, you can't take too long a vacation. Like today, if I want to switch off and, you know, take a one week or two week, maybe I can do it. But, you know, I would think two, three times before, hey, whether I should be doing it. Because there are so many things still up in the list 
that needs to be solved. So constant prioritization, kind of stealing a few minutes, a few hours, making sure that you're present in all the important stuff like school functions and, you know, parent teacher stuff. Make sure that you kind of make yourself available for the important things in your family's life. That's kind of it. I haven't really put too much thought into it, but somehow it seems to work. So after our recording ended, I had the opportunity to speak with Hari a little bit more about the future of SoCash. He shared with me that they've just received the green light to expand into Indonesia and Malaysia and are planning to use this opportunity to truly understand the dynamics of each country. Further down the line, they plan to expand into Japan as well. And as they're expanding, SoCash is planning to keep retailers on their mind. So if you're a retailer and you're listening, this is one of the companies that just might be serving you sooner than you think. So make sure you keep an eye on them. And for all the listeners that are entrepreneurs or inventors, please use this interview as a reference when you're thinking about how to build your business. For Hari, the first step was to identify a pain or need in the market, and then he built a value proposition and the business model around how to address it. Finally, don't be afraid to learn from the major disruptors that are impacting the business world. These disruptors have invested a lot of time, resources, and energy to become successful market leaders. Use these companies as an inspiration or guide how to design the future of your business. Thank you for listening to Ready for Change. If you like what you heard, please leave us a positive review and share this episode with a colleague or friend. And be sure to subscribe to Ready for Change on www.glory-global.com forward slash ready for change. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast channels in order for you to never miss an upcoming episode. If you have any additional questions or suggestions, be sure to email us at readyforchange at glory-global.com. Until next time, prepare for change.